It wouldn't even be a fair fight. But he answered and said, you shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with the sword or with the bow? Set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Just as Elisha previously prayed that God would give sight to his servant, he then asked God to strike these Syrians with blindness. God answered this prayer, just as he also answered the prayer to give perception to his servant. When their eyes were open, Elisha was there with them. However, he led them back to Samaria, the capital city of the kingdom of Israel, and an unfriendly place for a group of Syrian soldiers. Rather than killing these enemy soldiers, Elisha instead commanded the king of Israel to treat them with kindness and generosity. This practice of answering evil with good successfully changed the policy of freelance raiders from Syria. Now here's Pastor Rob. Your flesh will be barking at you, but what does Ephesians tell us? In Ephesians 6, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Notice, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Notice, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and have Having done all just to stand and notice this list of things that he gives and all of them are defensive all of them are just for us to stand and and to take it and yet there's one thing there's one article in this whole list that is an offensive tool and it's the sword of the spirit and what is it that's the word of god this right here is the most important tool you have in the world sell your house and everything you have if you have this you're going to be all right because this is the thing this god's word is everything. Stand therefore, having your waist girded about with truth, having put on the the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, above all, taking the shield of faith, which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, the only offensive weapon in our spiritual warfare, which is the Word of God. And praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance. Boy, do we need to persevere today. Because perseverance and fortitude is what we need because Folks, things are going to get a lot more challenging as we go on in history in this country. We may get a reprieve on on November 8th. (laughs) We may get a little bit of a reprieve and we may breathe a sigh of relief and go, Oh, I'm so glad. But do you understand that God never promised us that? 
Ultimately, he says, you will be persecuted. All those who live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That is our lot. That is what we can expect, is persecution. Now, when that occurs in this country, I don't know. We've had some light persecution. But nothing compared to the first century Christians and all the things that they endured, running for their lives, hiding in caves, being chased down by the Romans, fed to lions. I've been in those places. I've been in those rocks along the uh, Jordan Valley. The whole, the whole side of the mountain range on both sides are, are littered with caves where people would hide from the Romans. They would hide. In Masada, they would hide. In Daniel chapter 10, it records for us something interesting, too, about this spiritual warfare. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 2, it says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks, and I ate no pleasant food, nor meat, nor wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. (laughs) And then it goes on, and I'm just paraphrasing here. He gets this vision, who very likely could be Christ there on the side of the river. But suddenly, verse 10, a hand touched me, and we don't believe that this hand was Jesus at all, but it was a hand of an angel touched me and made me tremble on my knees, and, on, and, I, and I, I was on the palms of my hands and my feet, or my hands and my knees, and he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling, and then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and now I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I have been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. Days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. And so this, 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 this angel of God is withstood by these demonic powers in Persia for 21 days. And he's, he told Daniel, Daniel, I, we heard this. God heard this. I was dispatched at that time, and it took me three weeks to get to you. Michael, the archangel, he came to help me and finally broke through. Now, God was certainly aware of all of that. So what was Daniel doing that whole time of those three weeks? God was trying him, wasn't he? He was using that time, that three weeks, to really test Daniel. Are you going to be faithful, Daniel, to pray night and day? Are you going to continue to, to hold true? And Daniel's like, I'm, I'm, I'm praying until the Lord tells me to shut up. And he did. But these spiritual entities, they're very real. They're very real. The spiritual warfare is real. The battles that we see going on in our country, in our world right now, politically, and in the school systems, are all the result of a greater spiritual battle that is being played out. There's a battle for power, for the hearts and the minds of young people, especially our kids in the public schools. If you are ever wondering what hill to die on, the battle for our kids in the schools is perhaps the biggest one. Perhaps the biggest one. Certainly one of the top few. Satan has infiltrated the schools, boardrooms, school boards, teachers' unions, wreaking havoc on our kids, teaching them critical race theory, LGBTQ, and the gender nonsense that's destroying them. And are you going to be silent about this? Church in America? 
Are we going to be silent and just act like nothing's happening? Ought we not to be packing out those school board um, uh, meetings that they have? Speaking publicly, boldly about the wickedness that they're doing? Holding them accountable? I believe we should. The church was silent back in the 40s. When Hitler was wreaking havoc upon you know, Germany and everywhere, or everywhere else, he was wreaking havoc on the Jews, and the church was silent. During the 50s, when Roe v. Wade was going through all that whole thing, what happened? The church was pretty much silent. Nobody, and, and, and wonder of wonders, in the middle of the current administration, we have Roe v. Wade overturned. What an amazing thing. So when the Syrians came down to him, verse 18, so there is a spiritual battle, folks, and I'm of the opinion, and I believe this is true, everything that we see physically is a result of something that is happening spiritually. Everything that is happening physically is a result of what is happening that we can't see. Because spirits... Sometimes will inhabit people, will sometimes aggravate people, will sometimes um, corrupt people. And everything we see is a result. The wars that we see, is that the result of God? Is that the result of good people who were born good? No, nobody was born good. But all of these things are spiritual, and, and they're, they're manifesting themselves in these awful things that we see, in abortion, we, and, 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 and hatred, and, and war, and all of these things. All of these things are the result of spiritual things, and it's heating up, and there's, no, there's a good reason for that, because what does the Bible say? The Bible says that there's coming a time, and it hasn't happened yet, but there's coming a time when Satan will be booted out. He will no longer have access to heaven like he does now. He can go and accuse us before God night and day. The Bible tells us that. Job tells us that. But one day he's going to be kicked out, of the, and he will not be able to, to go into heaven any longer. I think it's in Revelation chapter 12. Woe unto you, earth, for the devil has come down to you. He's full of wrath because he knows that his time is short. And oh, the world, the church will be removed when all of that is happening, thank God. But can you imagine what hell this earth is going to be when that happens? When he's no longer restrained and he is, he's angry. And he's no longer to, able to ascend into the heavens like he is now. So the Assyrians came down and they prayed uh, to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I'll bring, them, I'll bring you to uh, the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria, right into the capital city. And so it was when they had come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And certainly their eyes were open, realizing now they are in the capital city, surrounded by the Israeli army. And when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elijah, and this is the, every king is excited about this because, hey, guess what? You just hand delivered my enemy right to my doorstep. And so he's like, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? This is easy. We can take care of them right now. And if there was ever a perfect time for Israel to vanquish their aggressors, that was the time. Their enemies were blind, standing before them helpless. It wouldn't even be a fair fight. But he answered and said, you should not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with the sword or with the bow? 
set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. We'll finish with this. Um, uh, Notice what James says, Jesus' half-brother. I love this. says, For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. And mercy triumphs over judgment. And I love that. Because here they had him. They could have slaughtered him. And the king of Israel salivating, going, just say the word and we're going to be on him with swords. And he's like, you don't know what spirit you're of. Didn't Jesus say that? In Luke chapter 9, verse 51. It came to pass when the times had come for him to be received up, and he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face, and as they went, they entered a village of Samaritans to prepare for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set for his journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just like Elijah did? And what did Jesus say? Same thing that Elisha said. He turned and rebuked them and he said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. So you and I have enemies, but God sees people. And he would much rather save a life than take a life. But it's up to that person if they want to be saved. And he doesn't force anyone to accept him or not. It's a free will choice. And, I, you know, there's parts of me, I wish I didn't have free will. Before I came to Christ, looking back, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that, you know, right now I'd like for God to just make me a robot because I don't want free will anymore. I just want what you want, God. And, and I say that, and I probably betray myself. And the Lord's going, oh, Rob, you sound so pious, but in your heart you're such a rebel. You may think that, but you still want your own way. I'm still working in your life because you're a rascal. If I made you a robot, where would the love be? But you come to me out of your own volition, out of your own heart. You come to me. And it really, what we see here um, that Elisha is doing with the king of Israel and the Syrian army is really the Beatitudes showing themselves in the Old Testament. What did Jesus say in the Beatitudes? In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, verse 12, Whatever you want men to do to them, you do also to them. This is the law and the prophets. And what did Jesus say in Matthew 5? You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And isn't that what now Elisha's doing? Isn't that what he's encouraging the king of Israel to do as well? The Beatitudes. Before they were even spoken, the very heart of it we see in Elisha. And why is that? Well, very simply, Elisha was, had the Spirit of God upon him, at least. He loved the Lord. So then he prepared a great feast for them, and after they ate and drank, he sent them away, as, and they went to their master. They went back to Ben-Hadad. And so the bands of the Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. Now this is interesting, because the very next verse tells us that now Syria is going to mount another attack against Israel. And so some time has gone on here. We don't know the exact number of years or how much time has transpired between verses 23 and 24, but there is some time 
until that kind of wore off. Isn't that funny how our feelings can kind of wear off? We have this great, you know, thing that we want to do. And, you know, it's like, a, you know, New Year's resolutions. You know, we have this thing. Well, you know what? I'm going to get up tomorrow morning, you know, after I spend, you know, till 2 o'clock in the morning abusing my body. And then I'm going to wake up the next morning and I'm going to get on the treadmill. And I'm going to do it every single day at 6 p.m. or 6 a.m. And, you know, it lasts for about a day. And then you're like, oh, forget that. We have great intentions. The spirit is willing, but what? The flesh is weak. But I love this, the Beatitudes in the Old Testament. The very Spirit of God, who is Jesus himself, God incarnate, speaking these very things in Matthew that we just read. The very Spirit of that was still working all throughout history. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Was it um, mercy triumphs over judgment? And that's a good thing to remember for all of us. Never be too excited about getting your pound of flesh, forgetting even. The real mark of a child of God is when you have the ability to get your pound of flesh or you have the ability or the opportunity to get even, you don't take it. And instead you do something just the opposite because that's so otherworldly. Everybody responds in the natural, you know, Anybody, you know, can feel hatred and lash out in anger, but to have an enemy and then to not do that when the opportunity presents itself for you. Maybe something you've even waited for. I've waited 10 years for this moment, and I should take it. And the devil's going, yeah, you should take it. And God is going, don't you dare take it. Why don't you just love on them and tell them that God loves them. Tell them that you love them in spite of what happened. And you watch them melt right before you. And it's happened. People have done that. They had their moment for the pound of flesh, and then the moment comes, and they say, you know what, I am so sorry. I had every... My desire was to hurt you because of what you did to me many years ago. I don't know if you remember that, but you did something that hurt me very badly. And I haven't told you until now, but here it is. And now I have this opportunity. But you know what? God told me to not do it. He told me to love on you. And I am so sorry for holding a grudge and being so nasty to you. And I tell you what. If there's a person who has air in their lungs and hears something like that, they're like can't believe what I'm hearing. And you may gain a soul for glory. But see, that's what it's about. Being used by God to reach others, to minister to them, to be examples, right? Elisha was a great example. So was Elijah. Godly examples. And see, that's what I hope I want to be. I want to be a godly example in this crooked and perverse generation that we live in. I want to be different from everybody else. I don't want to be like the, the status quo. And, the, and you know, e- even on Twitter, I'm, I'm amazed. I, sometimes I'll look at my Twitter feed and I see these Christians, profane, professing Christians, just being so nasty and hurtful and, and just rotten. And I'm like, no wonder the world hates Christians. I've got to be different. If I don't have anything good to say, I'm not going to say it. There's things I want to say, but I don't. <laughs> it's called the Holy Spirit filter. <laughs> anyway, 
So be, be encouraged, you know, and remember that there is a battle, just like we saw with Elijah and the army surrounding. God is with you. He's Emmanuel, God with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you, even to the end of the age. And we're getting close to that end of the age. And I just want to encourage you all to hang in there. Don't be fearful. Hang in there. Stay true to the Word of God. Stay true to Christ. Let Him have all of you. Don't be afraid to let Him into every door of your heart. Give Him the keys to every area in your life. In every door that's got shade in it, you open it wide open. You say, Lord, you examine me. Search me and try me. See if there be any wicked way in me. And then lead me in the way everlasting. Oh man, I tell you, there's nothing better than living a holy life. And it's something I desire because I'm not always that way. I want that, and I thirst for it. It's good to thirst for it, isn't it? Do you thirst for righteousness? Because I believe the more we spend time in the Word, the more we spend time with Jesus, we're going to have that thirst. And we're like, Lord, I am so done with me. I'm so tired of this radical inside of me. I'm so sick of this nasty-hearted old person. It's got so many scars and anger and bitterness. We just vanquish it, Lord. Invite him to do it. Invite him to do it. And continue to invite him to do it. Let's do that. Right now, what do you say? Let's stand and let's pray. Lord, we invite you. Lord, as we look at the life of Elisha, and we see just recently in this passage, Lord, he, it could have been a, a great victory for Israel, easy victory. And yet, Lord, you changed his heart and restrained his hand from allowing the king of Israel to obliterate that army. And Lord, such were some of us. And, and Lord, there's a nature within us that is opposed to that, Lord. We always want to get our pound of flesh. We want to get even. We want to prove to the world that we're right and they're wrong. And God, I pray that you would just deliver us from that tonight. That rather than being right or wrong, we would just be lovers of God and lovers of people, regardless of what they've done. And that's a tall order, God. Lord, you told us in Deuteronomy to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and our soul, with all of our strength, with all of our mind. And Lord, that is impossible without you. So Holy Spirit, we invite you tonight to just take, just take inventory of our life and our heart and just cleanse me and cleanse my brothers and sisters, Lord, please. And just rid us of this, this filth in us. Deliver me, Lord, from the anger that I know is in me. And I pray you do the same in whatever it is, my brothers and sisters. Lord, have your way with us tonight. Get us home safely. Bless our day tomorrow. And Lord, help us to be aware. And thank you, Lord, for being more aware about what's happening than we could ever possibly understand. Thank you for fighting battles that we can't even see. Thank you for going before us and protecting us from things that we can't even, we don't even know is coming yet, Lord. Thank you for watching out for us, Lord. Thank you for your guardian angels. Lord, you tell us that there are angels who are sent to minister to the heirs of salvation, and we are. We are the heirs of salvation, and you protect us. Would you please continue to, everyone in this room, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you.
That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.